Good morning. Uh, what is more awkward? That silence as we all just waited for us to go off stage, being celebrated on stage or uh, speaking publicly. You guys can uh, vote later in the comments. Um, no, my name's Hillary. I am one of the, obviously one of the leaders here and on staff at Hope Jersey City and really glad to be continuing our Advent series. Today's been a perfect example of what we're talking about. I think joy. It's, we've just gotten to hear and experience and reflect on and sing about joy. And this Advent season, we've really been focusing on the themes of Advent, but also the themes of Advent as we consider the fact that Emmanuel means God with us. And so today we're continuing our series where we are talking about joy. And I think we have a complicated relationship with joy. Uh, the reason I say that is we all in our life, there's this exchange where we want as much joy as possible with the least amount of pain as possible. And I just feel like we are navigating, trying to figure out how to minimize pain, maximize joy. And so um, we're all walking in today uh, with some sort of experience of what joy means, what we experience when we're feeling joy. Um, but we're also all coming in experiencing some level of pain or sorrow. Uh, whether it's, it's a spectrum, right? And, and whether you're feeling pain that is as small as a paper cut or feels as large as the wars, these awful horrific wars happening in the Middle East and in Europe, we all are walking in with either a personal sense of pain or pain from watching others experience sorrow and hardship. And so as we're talking about joy today, that's the context, the complicated tension that we're carrying, joy and sorrow, as we come in to talk about what it means that joy is with us. And so the Lee family uh, graciously read Luke 2, verses 8 to 20, which is what we're talking about today. When the angels came and gave good news to the shepherds, and then the shepherds went and found Mary and Joseph and Jesus um, in the manger. And so as we look at the scripture today, we are going to look at these three ideas, that joy comes to us, that joy exists in all circumstances, and that joy is cultivated with delight. So let me pray really quickly for us um, as we start our sermon. Christ, joy is with you, um, and you are with us, and uh, God, you are Emmanuel. You are God with us, and I just pray today that you would open us up uh, to joy. Open us up to what it is you want to teach us about joy. Would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us? Um, God, would you speak to us, and would you uh, break through with joy? We pray this all in your name. Amen. Um, so looking at joy comes to us. In verse 10, right off the bat, we see that the angels are bringing a message to the shepherds. They're bringing a message from God. They're kind of a mediator, right? From God to the shepherds. And this message starts with, do not be afraid. Because when angels come, it was really startling. Think about how we would feel if an angel just popped in right now. So do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I want to read that again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
that's a cause and effect statement. Um, if you can not tell, I obviously sat front row center of every class that I took. Um, and I love this cause and effect statement because it shows us that joy is the effect of good work that God does. It's bringing great joy because God has done the work. Um, and often our view of joy really is at best limited, but at worst, it's harmful uh, and wrong. And what I mean by that is similar to what G shared about hope, that hope is not optimism. Joy is not simply optimism or happy feelings or a positive attitude. It's much greater and more robust than that. That is just a limited understanding of joy. But it's also not something that we choose or manufacture. Honestly, I feel like we just gaslight ourselves. We minimize our own suffering and our own sorrow as well as the sorrow and suffering of others when we share, uh, when we say things to ourselves like, I'm too blessed to be stressed or choose joy. We're just minimizing our own experience and joy speaking into that. But joy is also not just a frivolous emotion. I think sometimes we like to pass off joy uh, as if it doesn't matter and it's not important to the fabric of society or the human experience. It's much bigger than that. The Bible says that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I think that's important for us to bring into our understanding of joy. The fruit of the Spirit means it's the work of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit produces because of its own work in us and in our world. And the Spirit does the producing of the fruit because the Spirit is present in and with us. Like the branch of an apple tree, we simply hold the fruit of an apple. We hold the fruit of the Spirit. And the root of this work, the root of joy, is in the promises of God being fulfilled. The root of joy is in the promises of God being fulfilled. And therefore, I think hope and joy really go hand in hand. Because hope and joy rely on a trust or a belief that God will continue the good work that he started in us, that he'll see it through to completion, as we see in Philippians. And that is why the Israelites in the Old Testament are able to have joy even when they are wandering in the wilderness or when they are living in exile. And this is why Paul is able to write in his letters that he is joyful and rejoicing even while he's imprisoned. Because it is a belief that God will keep his promises. And joy is a gift of God. It's a sign of his love. And God gives us joy because he loves us. And he fulfills his promises to us because he loves us. Father Pierre, I'm going to butcher this, Pierre Telhard de Chardin, I'm sorry for any um, French speakers in here. Um, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. The infallible sign of the presence of God. Joy is with us because God is with us, Emmanuel. And joy comes to us in the form of God the Son coming to us because he is where the joy is. And Advent points us to this, that God came to us not once, but he will come again, and then he will bring the fullness of joy. What we taste in part right now, we will taste in full 
one day. And that is what this season of waiting in Advent is. The Israelites waited for their Savior, their Messiah, Jesus, and we wait the fullness of what we're promised. So does the fact that joy comes to us, that joy is the work of the Spirit, is the work of God, does that mean that our actions and our attitude don't matter? That might be what you're asking. To that I say absolutely not. See, I think of joy like a gift or even a Christmas gift given the season. With all gift giving, somebody decides to buy the gift, perhaps wrap the gift, and even give the gift to you. You don't do any of that, right? That is all their work being given to you as a gift. But you do have the choice to open the gift, to play with or use the gift, or to ignore the gift, or even to throw away the gift. These are all our choices. And it's our choice to engage with joy. Joy being one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. And it's a good news, though, that we do have an ability to um, engage with joy, but yet joy is still the work of the Spirit. Because the Spirit works through all things. And that means that we can experience joy in the heights of happiness as well as the depths of sorrow, and even in the mundane ordinariness in between. It's not limited. And this good news should encourage us, it being good news, um, but it should encourage us because it means that joy is not limited to any set of circumstances. Joy doesn't run away scared when times are hard, but it also is good news for any of you who maybe are not as joyful as Alyssa and aren't born with joy just beaming out of you, right? If you're over here feeling a little bit like uh, I am tired in the mornings and barely make it here, this is good news for you because joy is not uh, circumstantial to you being born a ray of sunshine, right? And again, we can look to the shepherds and to Mary to understand that joy is not circumstantial. You know, at the time, and this context might not be um, so obvious when we're reading uh, scripture, just from especially an English translation, um, the shepherds didn't have an easy life. This group of people, they were looked down upon in society. Um, they weren't valued. They had no honor. Uh, that is not hard to resonate with, right? Many of us walk through the world in a sense of hardship, feeling overlooked, um, without honor, and... That's what the shepherds experienced. That is their context, their complicated relationship with joy and with people that the angels are coming into and bringing joy into. And for Mary, uh, the circumstances around Jesus' birth were not easy. We put a lot of lights around it and we sing some good songs, but let me remind you that this is a teen mom who had an improbable pregnancy, one where most people believed that she had an affair with someone and then when she's giving birth, it is not in a hospital, it's not in her home, it's not in anybody's home, but it's where animals slept. That is not an easy situation. And yet we see joy burst forth and come to them and be present with them. Not because Mary or the shepherds earned it, but because God wanted to give them the gift of joy and they trusted and believed that God could be good even here. 
And because of that, we see them do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to rejoice always. Rejoice always, even or in spite of rough circumstances. But how do we do that? Uh, how do we do that without denying our struggles or dismissing them or just putting a Band-Aid of a cute pillow that says choose joy over it? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor uh, in the mid-1900s and a pastor during World War II, wrote letters to underground past pastors, um, ones that couldn't be doing their work out in public. Um, and he wrote this. This is really small, but I'll read it. A sort of joy exists that knows nothing at all of the heart's pain, anguish, and dread. It does not last. It can only numb a person for a moment. The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. That is why it's invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it, in fact, precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness precisely in this way. It looks death straight in the eye, but finds life precisely within it. What matters is this joy that is overcome. It alone is credible. It alone helps and heals. The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. That is why it is invincible and irrefutable. And that is why we can rejoice always. Because this joy, this hard-earned, hard-tested joy, found us. Therefore, we can be sorrowful yet rejoicing, like Mary and like the shepherds, because it's not about our ability to change our circumstances or even conjure up good feelings about what we're going through. We're able to rejoice always when we remember and consider that Jesus coming means Emmanuel, God with us. Because with Jesus, we have a friend who is present with us in everything. Jesus came and experienced the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. And he's also experienced the heights of happiness. He understands what we're experiencing in all things and is with us as we walk through that situation. We're never alone as we experience these variety of things that we do. And also with Jesus, we have a powerful king whose kingdom is marked by a great reversal. All of the wrong is becoming right. All of the broken is becoming whole. All of the bad is becoming good. And all of the death is becoming life. These things, these truths, these realities are in one sense already true. And yet, they're not yet as fully realized as they will one day be. And the realities of God being with us allows us to persevere in hard days, weeks, months, or even years. But it also means that death no longer has the final say for us. And this reality of joy with us and God with us 
is an invitation to delight, which is really an expression of praising God or taking great pleasure in him and how he loves us. Joy is cultivated by delighting. And we see this most overtly in the angels. They delight in sharing the message that God has for the people, so much so that they have a great song, a great heavenly song pouring out of them. Um, Their delight moves them to singing. But a more subtle expression of this delight is found, again, in Mary and the shepherds. As they cultivate and nourish the joy that they've received by delighting in it and enjoying it. In verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Like Mary, when we encounter uh, things that bring us joy, we can treasure them. We can uh, notice, just like she did, notice them, consider them, think about them, reflect on them. Just as she had done with what she had been told and experienced with her son. Uh, This is timely because it happened to me last night uh, and yesterday. Um, There's this really cool moment where I went to one of the holiday markets uh, around Grove Street, and I met a stranger that I have had a lifelong connection with through both of our dads. And that was just this really, really cool experience. And at the end of the night, I was reflecting on how cool it was that that happened. But that reflection actually caused me to think about all the other things that made me feel really joyful throughout the day. Um, From a sip of a simple coffee or the fact that it was not gray and gloomy, but bright yesterday and not freezing cold. And it was in the treasuring up of those things that I'm considering how God had met me so many times throughout yesterday. And we can practice reflecting on and thinking about these joyful truths that we've experienced. They can be big or small. They can be theological or super practical. Um, And they can be everlasting or temporal. Um, What brings you joy? I ask you that today. What are some of the things that bring you joy? You see, those things in our life are really gifts of God. We talk about this uh, basically every Sunday, that everything that we have in life is a gift from God, something that he gives to us as a gift, and we therefore steward and we enjoy, we take pleasure in, and we delight. So how might, in those things that you enjoy and take delight in, how might he actually be showing you his presence in them? How might he be showing you that he is God with you? God with us. We also see this with the shepherds. In verse 15, uh, they're quoted in saying, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You see, after hearing the message from the angels and seeing the joy pouring out through the angels singing, the shepherds uh, decided to physically put themselves along a path to where they might experience joy and find joy. Um, It's a sermon for another day and time, but I think it's also worth noting that they went along the path with one another, um, making the case that I'm not sure we've really experienced joy in a silo. It's not to say we can't experience things by ourselves, um, but I think it's always some sort of cause and effect 
of the fact that we need one another, that God works through other people, um, that joy is communal. But we have the same opportunity that the shepherds had, where we can put ourselves on the path to encounter joy, both at the end of the path, but also along the way. Or really, we have an opportunity to put ourselves on a path where we think joy might encounter us. I think about this a little bit like a rom-com meet-cute trope. So, you know, you're walking your way along to your favorite bookstore, just perusing, you have a coffee in hand, and you go down uh, the one uh, row where there's a shelf of books, and the one that you've been thinking about reading this whole time, you go to reach for it, and another hand reaches at the same exact time. And what do you know? Joy is reading the same book that you are. It's a little cheesy, a little cute, but also can we think about this uh, as the idea that joy is ready to burst forth and come in. Um, Joy is ready to meet us right where we are. Uh, As I invite the band up, uh, I want us to consider the fact that joy bursts in and is ready to uh, interrupt our lives with a sense of giving itself to us. Uh, Even in our uh, Sunday service, uh, we have a a kind of huddle meeting before, and uh, Alana burst in as we were uh, talking, and it was just the most joyful, cute moment, and it was too good to not share with you guys because it really felt like joy was actually bursting in the circle of what we were trying to do um, and say, like, I, I love you, I'm with you, and I matter. And today, whether it's a rom-com meet cute or considering the joy of a toddler bursting forth as joy Um, we have opportunities to place ourselves in the path of joy. Um, But it requires a little bit of us. It requires our action, our physical doing, right? Um, You could enjoy, joy can meet you when you're doing nothing. I'm not questioning the power of God here, but often he works as we're just living our regular, regular lives, right? So there's a um, physical action of us required, but I think even more so there's an openness necessary and required of us. An openness in our body, heart, mind, and soul to allow joy to meet us. And so I ask you, how do you need to open yourself up to receive joy? Where might you be a little bit closed off to receiving joy that you would benefit from and openness in heart, mind, or soul. And also, where might you need to actually go to be more readily crossing paths with joy? Patiently awaiting its arrival. Physically, that could be a favorite place. Maybe it's going on a walk. Um, Maybe it's, for me, being in the sunshine for a little bit every day. Mentally, it could be learning something or reflecting on something. Perhaps relationally, you uh, need to go somewhere with a friend, um, whether that's on a walk or creating some sort of gathering, um, inviting people over or out to dinner. Where do you need to go to cross paths with joy? I want to encourage us to put ourselves in the path of joy, yes, during this Advent season, but even more so in the months to come as we engage in the winter season where lights are taken down, 
gets a little bit colder and grayer. Um, we need joy. And my prayer is that we experience joy in all seasons, both figuratively and literally. <laughs> and just as the angels responded to the joy of God's presence by singing his praise, I want to invite everyone here today as we close our service to respond to God's presence by singing worship. May God encounter you with the joy that you have in Christ, even in the song we're about to sing, so that you can treasure the joy just as Mary did, the joy that has come to you, and that you can glorify and praise God for all the things that you hear and see, just as you have been told, just as Mary has been told. So would you please stand, join us in worship as I uh, just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, would you burst forth spirit, work, joy into every um, atom and fabric and um, square inch of our lives. God, would you surprise us by joy, surprise us with joy. God, you are joy and you've brought joy to us. We have joy with us. And I thank you that your joy uh, can reach any place and any person. It's not based on anything we do or where we are, um, literally um, or emotionally, mentally. But God, help us to be ready, um, to be open to what you want to do in, in reaching us with joy. Give us an openness in body, mind, heart, and soul to receiving the joy that you have for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you sing with me?